Our scripture reading today is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 31, to the end of the chapter. Galatians 4, 8 through 31. Please find your way there and follow along as I read. Galatians 4, 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you have become to know you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment. Sorry. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no, good for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for I am for whom I'm in, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically, these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry out aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as the time he was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Here ends the reading of God's word. Thank you, Tony. If you would, please pray with me and pray for me. Father, <clears throat> may your word penetrate our hearts. May 
we find a way to submit every day greater to you and your lordship. May you be glorified and may we be changed more and more into the image of your precious son. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Ah, yes, Galatians. We're more than halfway there. Uh, We're cruising right along. Review, it's the very first letter St. Paul ever wrote. It's the very first uh, New Testament book ever written. Late 40s, early 50s. It was written to correct a ton of errors going on in the churches of Galatia, much like most of the New Testament was written that way. Uh, Daryl alluded to it already just over 500 years ago um, on October 31st, the start of the Reformation. Actually, it probably started a lot long before that. Uh, The groundwork was set by Gutenberg's Press and Whitcliffe and Jan Hus and things like that hundreds of years or a hundred of years before Luther. But that's when the spark really ignited. And Luther had a real love for Galatians. His wife was Catherine, and he called Galatians his little Katie, his dear beloved Katie. So it's interesting and and poignant that, as in a couple days, we will mark the 506th anniversary of the nailing of the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg Castle Church door that we are going through Galatians. Remember, we're not going verse by verse. We're covering an overriding theme, which in Galatians is, do not compromise the gospel. And then we're seeing little themes that embrace or magnify that one theme even more. We don't want to forsake or follow a false gospel. We, want, we don't want to follow a perfect law that we think we can attain. We want to follow the perfect Savior. We don't want to seek righteousness or justification from the law, but we want to receive righteousness and justification by faith from the righteous heir, the righteous son. And once you have done that, don't look back. Don't get dragged back into a life that cannot save. Don't get dragged back into a life that cannot free you and will not be fulfilling. Don't become a slave to your old life. The theme we see today is about slavery. And when we think of slavery, we often think of the wicked stain of American slavery. And in our world, in Merton, Wisconsin, in 2023, slavery no longer exists. Oh, my friends, that's not true. It exists all over the world. You just need to see the news and you'll hear about all kinds of wickedness. But I'm here to tell you that slavery is also just as prevalent in Merton, Wisconsin, as it ever has been. But here, more often than not, that slavery starts out willingly. No one ever thinks they will become a slave. No one ever consciously chooses slavery, but then a blink of an eye. You can't imagine how you fell so far and how it happened. Isn't addiction a form of slavery? We all know families and friends that are slaves to drugs. With the internet, gambling has taken a stronger toll on lives than ever before. Internet pornography is a curse. 
And if the studies are to be believed, it's almost as bad in the church as it is outside. Some people are even slaves to good things, addicted to good things, exercise, dieting, cleanliness. Those are good things, but when they consume you, when that's what you live for, it becomes a taskmaster, a slave master over you. We don't want to get dragged back into that. Things that cannot bring freedom. Oddly enough, the Apostle Paul states that slave masters, for the most part, are weak and worthless. Look at the end of verse 9. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be? You want, whose slaves you want to be. If you're not careful, you could be a slave to weak forces. Do not be controlled by something weaker than you. Do not be controlled by something weaker than you. How can I be a slave to something weak? Exhibit A, the cell phone. What, and add to that, social media. Add to that, I need to know what's going on with the news. And all of it comes from here. I'm a news junkie. I've got to find out what's going on. Those are ways we can be, those are good things. It's good to have a cell phone. It's good to be connected. It's good to know what's going on in the world. But when it becomes your taskmaster, something as weak as something that you could turn off, but you can't, it becomes your taskmaster and your slave master. But then the Galatians were actually following false gods. Is there any real power in a false god? Only the power that you give it. There was an old, very old TV show called The Twilight Zone. I won't ask if you remember it last week. You said none of you even remembered Columbo, and this was way before that. Twilight Zone, there was an episode where William Shatner was in it, and he was on his honeymoon, and they were driving through a small little town and their car broke down. They took it to the garage, and the garage said, we'll have it fixed in a few hours. They went to a small diner. Things are going great, not exactly how they thought their honeymoon would start, but they're having a nice lunch in this diner. And if you remember, some diners years ago used to have little jute boxes or things like that, but this one had like a little, I was going to say you put a quarter in, but probably even a nickel or a penny way back then. It had a little fortune-telling device, a little weird-looking, almost devil-like bobblehead. And you'd put it in and you'd ask a question. How soon will our car be done? And it would spit out a thing. Probably never. How much longer will we be in this diner? You're here for life. And this consumed him. They called. They said the car was done. Well, we don't know where we can go. He's punching coins in this thing and spitting out things that you couldn't believe. This little trinket to help make a few extra bucks for this diner controlled his life. Finally, his wife, his new wife, grabbed him and said, let's go. And they got in the car and they drove out of town. And, and the camera panned to another couple who could not punch quarters in fast enough. And they had been there for six months waiting for this silly little thing to tell them they could leave. They were slaves 
to something weaker than themselves. They were slaves to a false god. And if you submit to something like that, it can control you. And then your job is never done. Six months, these people had been punching pennies into this thing. It controlled them. Yet it was weaker than them. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah 44. We're going to start at verse 14. We're starting kind of in the middle of a passage here. It's talking about the carpenter. It says, he cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress or an oak, and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over half he eats his meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have, set, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to worship it. And he prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. Think about that. 2023, Merton, that makes zero sense at all. But there's idols out there now. And there's people around the world that we would call third world backward countries where they still do stuff like that. Can you imagine that? There's this giant oak, you cut it down. You use some of it to make a table, some of it to build a fire to warm your house and to heat your oven, and the other part you use to make a god. You planted the tree, you harvested the tree, but you made a god out of it. Uh-oh, wait a minute. I took a god near the top. Maybe the god was the bottom of the trunk. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's silly. But we do that. We create our own gods, and when they, we let them control us. Psalm 135 says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. And those who make them become like them. And so do all who trust in them. What does that mean? It means if you're following idols, if you're following false gods, if you're enslaved to them, then eventually your eyes won't see anything, your ears won't hear anything, and eventually you'll die. You'll have no breath in your mouth. Many years ago, many, many years ago, I worked with a woman that needed to be off every single Friday the 13th. I don't know if there's three or four or five of them in a year, and I don't know if it changes, but she had to have off those days. She willingly admitted on Friday the 13th, she does not get out of bed. She is utterly controlled by fear of what the spirits may do on Friday the 13th. She was controlled, consumed, enslaved by the calendar. Now, to be fair, she was a practicing Wiccan, and all of her religious beliefs were wrapped up in that. I told you I like Tim Keller. Here's another great quote of Tim Keller. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. 
If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Hmm. So what about different forms of slavery? Addiction. Addiction isn't weak. It's powerful. Is it? If I have a little piece of paper and some dried up leaves and it just sets there, or I have a handful of pills or just a few pills and they just set there, do they have any power over me? Left alone, they have nothing. But if I take them into my body, very quickly, I become enslaved. I'm not making light of addictions. I'm not making light of the struggles that people have. But if you never pick it up, if you never go near it, if you never seek that little bit of fentanyl, which is explosive in the suburbs of America, then it really is weak and it has no power over you. But we start by thinking just one, I can control it. And before you blink, the grip and the bite it has on you is unyielding. Are there real slave drivers and real taskmasters out there? Yes. Human trafficking is at an all-time high, whether that be for sex trafficking or just slave labor, and I put just in quotes. The international illegal slave trade is very real. I have no intention of making light of that, and that's not what I'm trying to do. However, in 21st century America, most of our slave masters are weak, and we have willingly given ourselves over to them. We choose to give them power over us. Pride. Small little thing. Explosive. Ego. Man-made false gods. The god of guilt. We've created a god of guilt, number of us, and we let it control us. Even though the scriptures are clear, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But the God of guilt tells us the Bible's true in most places. But when it comes to condemning yourself, that part of the scriptures can't be trusted. The Bible's mostly true, but it tell, when it tells you you're really important, people should respect you more, and it boosts your ego, that was part of the scriptures you don't really have to follow. Gods we made of ourselves And then we end up forcing them on the scriptures. And weak things control us. A few weeks ago, we saw that the Judaizers wanted to bring people back under slavery by forcing them to follow the Mosaic laws of circumcision and the dietary laws. Well, how is that slavery? Because the law can't produce freedom. It can't cleanse us from our sins. These Judaizers, just like the Pharisees, thought they loved God, but they were controlled by the law of God and would rather have the law, which they actually thought they could control, than submit to the leadership and control of God himself. Paul appeals to the Galatians and tells them how much he loves them and how much they loved him. He tells them that, remember when I first came, I had a physical problem. There was a problem with my eyes. You would have gouged them out. You cared for me. You loved me. I cared for you. I loved you. I want you to know that. You can trust me, Paul says. 
But then look at verses 19 and 20. If you're still at Isaiah, turn back to Galatians, please. Look at 19 and 20. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Again, we see strong language here. In the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So again, he knows his tone is harsh. He knows he's coming off strong to them. In the anguish of childbirth, I want to change my tone. I'm perplexed. He's describing trying to bring them back into the fold, back to the gospel as labor pains. I'm a guy. Is that a big deal? Are labor pains a big deal? He's struggling and it hurts him, but these are spiritual labor pains. He's saying it's a big deal. It's hurting him. He's also perplexed. He's confused. He can't understand why they would want to go back under slavery. Verse 21, tell me you who desire to be under the law. If you're not careful, you could become a slave to the law. Don't be controlled by the law. Don't be controlled by the law. Do you remember back in chapter 2 when we talked about the Council of Jerusalem? The false brothers that tried to bring them back under slavery. And that's what Paul compared circumcision and the dietary laws to. He said it was like slavery. Here we see the option of being controlled by the law or being part of the promise. You can try to gain righteousness and justification through the law, or you can receive it through an inheritance through the promise. This section of scripture here from 21 on is amazing. It reveals how little and how poorly we often read God's word. What a wonderful historic event. I don't like to use the word story because story always seems to imply fiction. This is a beautiful historic event about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And if I had you turn to Genesis and read it, tell me you would get what Paul says. There's something deeper there. There's always more under the surface that God is giving us. Paul tells us that's an allegory for us. Not that these people didn't really live and it really wasn't real for them, but we can learn from that. Do you want the law of God that cannot, in your wildest dreams, you ever hope to fulfill or obey? If you do, that would make you a child of the slave woman. And what happened to that child and that woman? Verse 30. Cast out the slave woman and her son. Or do you want the promise of God offered to his offspring? Verse 30, inherit with the son and the free woman. The Lord made the promise to Abraham and Sarah. But they really didn't believe God. I mean, they sort of did for a little while, but then they decided it's time to take matters into our own hands. Sounds a lot like me a lot of times. Sound like you? You ever do that stuff? If God said he's going to give us a child and he hasn't yet, we need to do the initiative. We need to take, into, take action. Well, they forgot the promise of God and they acted in the flesh. They acted in a sinful, worldly manner. They knew the promise of God was that Sarah would give birth, not a surrogate. But they chose to live by the flesh and not by the promise. 
Understand that when the Bible uses the words like live by the flesh or live in the flesh, it doesn't just mean our physical bodies like that. It means through human reasoning, through sinful means, through human reasoning without God, without even considering God's desires or what God wants. Worse yet, Abraham and Sarah knew what God had promised. But they said they can't wait any longer. We've got to take matters into our own hands. They'd given, how does that even make sense? They'd given up hope of ever having a child way before that. When God first tells them they're going to have a child, Sarah's 90 years old. She laughs. So a year later, well, we're going to have, no, how about, I guess God couldn't do it, but no, they take matters into their own hands. And that creates the problem with Hagar. But God's promise was fulfilled. God is always good and true to his word. If he says something will happen, it will happen. Don't think because it's taken too long that God has forgot or he's unable. Simple verse, 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. You may think it's slow, but his timing is right. God did fulfill that promise, and that promise, we look through Genesis, and we look all the way through, and we can see a bloodline, but the promise really was about Jesus. So what is your desire? To live by the flesh, the frail, sinful, human way, or to live according to the divine promise? Verse 23, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. 31, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Submit control to the Lord and receive the inherited promise. Submit control to the Lord and receive the inherited promise. Become a child of the free woman, a child of the promise. And if you have repented of your sin, if you are trusting in Christ, if you are following Christ, then you are in Christ. I'm going to go back. You don't have to flip there. Just go back uh, uh, one page or one chapter. Chapter 3, verse 26. If you're in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. What advantage is there to be in Christ? How does being in Christ help you and help me of a promise made to Abraham? Keep, keep reading chapter 3, 27 through 29. For as many as you as were baptized in the Christ have put on Christ. That's a very religious word, baptized. You know what it means? Immerse. For as many as you have, that have been immersed in Christ have put on Christ. And if you're immersed in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. If we are in Christ, then we are joint heirs with Jesus. Verse 4, 7. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Not error, an heir, a descendant. Someone who receives an inheritance. An heir through God. God the Father has sent the spirit of his Son into the hearts of his children. The spirit is within you. 
live by the Spirit. That's also part of the promise, that God would fill his people with his Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Do you live like that? Or do you say you do, but if someone saw your life, they might think you don't really believe it? He has made it very clear that those who belong to him are children of the promise and not children of the law or children of slavery. So live free. Do not live as a slave. Do not become a slave to weak things. Live according to the promise. Verse 31, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. If you are free, dear brothers and sisters, then live like it. Don't become a slave to something that's weaker than you. Don't let anything control you except the Lord Jesus and your love for him. Slavery. Weak. But we have something more powerful. The Lord Jesus. Instead of submitting to weak things and becoming slaves, we can submit to God and become children of the promise. And that sets us free. And next week we'll look at freedom. My guess is the biblical definition of freedom is considerably different than your definition of freedom. We'll explore that next week. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have pointed out to us that we are slaves, but we don't have to be. That you have set us free if we would submit to you. That we could, Paul even says, that they willingly became slaves. We don't want that, Father. We ask that you would move in our hearts. Change us and transform us. Help us to live free and understand that we already have an inherited promise. And we don't need to try to earn it, and we don't need to how to prove that we're worthy of it, because we're not worthy. But because of Jesus, he has made us worthy. May you be glorified in everything we say and do. Amen.